Coming in at number 11, which means it's the cutoff story that we don't get to jump into. And this is a good story. James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets by Houston Rockets in a blockbuster deal that teams up Harden with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant posted on Wednesday, the 13th of January. A big time story for sports, big time story just in chatter as well with Charles Barkley saying now it looks like KD has made himself out of a team with the Splash Brothers and on to the Dribble Brothers. And that's as deep as we can go on that one. We can chat them up all you want to by just email. Email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. But let's get prepared for the stories that you said were the actual top 10 stories, the most important, most conversational stories of the week. And those stories, 10 to 1, coming up in mere moments here on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne. This is for the week ending January the 16th, 2020. Welcome to the show. My name, Jay Cleveland Payne. The show, Weekly Wrap-Up. What is it? It's a weekly wrap-up of news stories that we've posted as a part of the Conversation Project. This is a movement to find out what news stories, not based on the sources, but based on just the story and the headline in general, are the most conversational as per the people out there having conversations. That is you, not the news directors, not the anchors, not some sort of Hollywood PR blitz trying to make sure that their man and their story is out there on top. This is the stories. These are the stories. These are the headlines that you said were the most conversational. And we always go from top to bottom every single week based on what you decide. Top is always number one, obviously. The bottom this week, a little short, 196, 196 distinct different stories with a spoiler alert. One story in the top 10 is a super story, but didn't really make that much difference in this placement. We'll get to that in a second. Now, how does placement work? The Conversation Project has Facebook and Twitter accounts. Look for us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. Look for us on Facebook at This Is A Conversation. And when you find us, follow us. And then when you find every single hour, about every 50 minutes or so, we are posting new headlines from various different sources. Some you may love, some you may hate, some you may scratch your head at, but they're different news sources and different types of headlines throughout the day. You tell us how conversational they are by joining the conversation. Engage with them, like them, love them, hate them, share them. The more engagement a story gets, the higher score it gets. We go from Friday at midnight to about Friday at 5 a.m. with a cutoff to get all the stories for that seven days plus five hours or whatnot. We take the Twitter and the Facebook story. We put them in a spreadsheet that does a little algorithm magic and gives us one magic score that is equal to itself. That made sense, better sense in my head. But one true score to top to bottoms so that we can go through and give you a good real life adjustment to what it is that you said were the most conversational stories for the week. If you want more of the stories like the stories you're hearing or want more stories like other ones are there, just make sure you are following us and you are being engaged with those stories as they come up. Now, also, you make sure you engage with us by emailing us at the conversation inbox and we'll talk about any single story. In fact, at our website, this is the conversation.com. We post the link to this week's podcast, which also has all the stories, a link to every single story from one to 196. Every story is there, not just on the front page, but it's all accessed right there. This podcast is powered by you. So if you want to help us keep things going, check out this is a conversation.com slash partnerships or click on any single link you see in our products, either on the website, inside of our newsletter, inside the feed, anywhere you see a link. It's an affiliate link and we get a little bit from that by if they take good care of you. Now, let me go ahead and take some good care of you going forward with the headlines. But first, reminder that you need to subscribe to the podcast and share it with other people so we have more people in the conversation as well. 
All right. All the, all the, the, the yik yak, all the practical stuff, all the, that stuff is taken care of. Let's get into some actual news stories. Starting with a story that closed close to home for me and the show as I am based out of Arkansas. And that headline for 10 is Richard Bar- Barnett, the man photographed sitting in House Speaker Pelosi's desk during Capitol siege has been arrested in Arkansas. Friday, the 8th of January is the day this is posted. A bump in response. That means this story is more responsive than the last story, which is why it's here by 4.88%. That many more people responded to the story online than the previous story at 11. James Harden going to the net. Now, this won't take very much explanation. And this is not the only person dealing with the siege that we'll be talking about inside of this week's countdown. Normally, if there were similar stories, we would probably group them together, group them together in a super story. We're not doing that with these because they're their own distinct, different sort of stupid, to be honest. But this man here, Richard Barnett, is a pretty uh, mid to low, mid to high level person in the ranks of the, uh, the movement, we'll just call it the movement, the people who are Trump supporters, not exactly a QAnon uh, top wig, but he's a pretty big vocal voice in the in the system. People know him. People saw his picture on television and instantly knew who he was within a couple of hours. There are a few people that were instantly pegged and people knew exactly where the media knew knew they were. He went to the Capitol. He we went to he lived at the Capitol for the rally for Donald Trump to overturn the election, i.e. save the government in their view. He went to the Capitol, the actual Capitol, and sieged the building with many folks. He found his way into Speaker Pelosi's desk, which we are told it's not exactly easy to get to, uh, and went to the office, sat down at the desk, put his feet up on the desk, took some mail or something off of her desk, and then came home to Arkansas and was really dumb enough to give an interview on television about what he did. Essentially, essentially, you know, outing himself exactly what happened. Uh, in the in the TV interview, he basically said, you know, it's it's not it's not her desk. It's it's our desk. It's the American people's desk. And she didn't seem to appreciate it. So I went up there and sat in her desk and appreciated the desk. Uh, I took something off her desk. It's my desk. It's my office. And because more rambles on those ways, of course, being right there, photographed for all to see and being fairly known in a movement it was fairly quick and easy to basically out him for who he was he was arrested uh, we'll see what's going to happen what's going on right now there are many 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 different arrests and the numbers are just sort of all over the place and how many people are going to be charged in this with hundreds probably hundred thousand people you know, just by my quick rough eyeball estimate just roaming the area for the for the rally and how many many people went into the building or just stormed the building there's a lot of trouble and pain to go go around. We'll see how many of those people will get charged, seriously charged, and who's going to be charged with some of the bigger things, including right now they're trying to figure out who the charge for the murder of the police officer who died after being hit by the fire extinguisher. This is more about the surge, but more about just the thought processes we are in all about and how we aren't quite getting along with people we used to get along with. This is a prime example. Xena star Lucy Lawless maxed down Kevin Sarbo's right-wing conspiracy theory. Huffington Post posted this story, and we gave it to you on Friday, the 8th of January. And this has a bump in response from the from the 10 story, I should say, at 9 of 2.33%. This is also a very simple story. If you want to go get the deep details, go to our website, thisisaconversation.com, and click the link for this story. Uh, but Huffington Post reported that 
Lucy Lawless, the star of Xena of Warrior Princess, which was a spinoff and sort of, com, you know, commemorate program with the Hercules, the Ledger Journeys program and its movies. Uh, wasn't so happy with her former co-star, former co-worker, former boss, essentially, since he basically executive produced the, the shows, uh, with his takes. Now, Kevin Sorbo is a very vocal Christian. Yes. Very vocal conservative. Yes. Nothing wrong with those things. He, of course, behind the God's Not Dead movies and many other uh, films, many things towards that, that leaning. However, comma, Kevin Sorbo has also been big in peddling some of the right wing and some of the mildly to mid-level craziness that's been going on on the conservative ranks, uh, including the fact that the president didn't lose the election and he had a chance to overturn the results at before they went into being official in Congress. Lucy Lawless saw some chatter on that one and on the Twitter uh, basically said no. You can go deeper into how the message went down. If by, as I said, go into our website, this is conversation.com, clicking the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, week ending January the 16th, 2021. And you can see what it is that Xena and Hercules have been going back and forth on recently. At number eight, a story that I posted, one of the stories I posted because I've got to post something every 50 minutes. This is one that popped into the feed that it was something interesting. And you guys said it was extremely interesting enough to stick around. GTA 6 reportedly has a female protagonist. Tuesday, the 12th of January, we posted this one. Bumpy response of 31.82%. The rumors are out that Grand Theft Auto 6, Auto 6, should say, speak enunciating, uh, is essentially in the works. The coding, the planning, the scoping, the the scheduling, the voices, and the score all being worked on as we speak. And somewhere in the secret detail, some people have leaked that there should be a chance that there will be a female protagonist. Now, what we don't know, along with all the other parts that are rumors, is whether it will be a female main protagonist or there'll be some switching between roles where at certain parts you play as a male or certain parts you play as a female. It may be a gang or something where you can shift your roles back and forth, something akin to the DC Gods Among Us type stories going on, or whether it be a choice where you can choose early on whether you're going to be the male or the female and you play that role, and it depends what's how things come out based on how you choose your role, something akin to like the Fallout series as well. We will see when the whole thing comes down. Grand Theft Auto, of course, uh, at this point in time, a bit long in the tooth and has been surpassed by many other games in terms of violence and in and in technology, to be honest. So we'll see how well this new version of the old chestnut plays and if it plays or allows you to play, I should say, as a female. At number seven, rare snowstorm closes Madrid airport, creates travel chaos. Saturday, the 9th of January, we posted this one, a bumpy response of just 1.72 from the story at number 8. A rare snowstorm, as the title says, in Spain, causing issues for the entire nation, causing serious conditions where at least four people died, essentially linked to the actual blizzard there. And it may not have been necessarily the blizzard you expect in, in Nebraska or Idaho or places like that, but for Spain... And for the airport specifically, it was more than enough to shut things down. Travel coming out of that international hub in Madrid caused delays for hours in that point. And, of course, rescheduling causes problems for days. At least it did there. As we said, travel across the nation was 
basically taking a, a hit based on the snow and I believe four people died in the total chaos that happened. Uh, in, other than that, it's just one of those odd days of snow in Madrid, which essentially never, ever happened. The story that comes in at number six this week, Dan Crenshaw votes by proxy against impeachment despite his prior criticism of voting as cowardly. This came in on Thursday, or at least we posted on Thursday, the 14th of January. A bumper response from the story previous of 4.24%. Dan Crenshaw is the, I guess he's no longer a freshman. He maybe is still a freshman because he's still in his um, second quite term. But Dan Crenshaw is a representative in the House for Texas. Dan Crenshaw is the guy that has the eye patch on. He lost his eye in uh, an altercation in um, Afghanistan, Iraq. He's a war war veteran. And there's been a lot of back and forth from people, uh, some like late night comedians, uh, basically jumping on him with more of the rightish ring stance, but being extremely easy to point out because of the eye patch. Uh, Nothing funny about the eye patch, which is a lot of people, of course, gravitate to that as a visual that's there. So if you don't know who we're talking about, he's the representative from Texas with the eye patch. That should make things better. So he has been extremely vocal in the whole voting by proxy. Now, if you watch some of the voting that happened for the impeachment that happened this week, you would have heard at various times speakers recognize people on the floor. And then people would say, uh, by having the vote or the exact, the exact wording is not is, is losing right now. But essentially, people can walk into Congress and have people's votes in their pockets. They can be the proxy for other people who can't be there. With coronavirus and people being away and all the distancing going on, there's been a lot of proxy voting and a lot of fighting over the fact that proxy voting, in some cases, seems like cheating because the person's not there to vote, even though someone can go in there on their behalf and cast that ballot. Dan Crenshaw, extremely large in the aspect of saying this is a cowardly act, not being on the floor to give your vote, he was unable to make it to the floor, and a spokesperson just said he was unable to make it to the floor. No real explanation, but his vote was given by proxy this week for impeachment. Oh, by the way, he voted against it, as one would expect. Here's a story that popped up, uh, really popped up, way out of my radar. I had no idea that you guys would care this much, but you cared enough to make it a number five story. The headline, Blueface Accused of Sexual Assault after pulling down strippers' thong without consent on Instagram story. Monday, the 11th of January, we posted this one. 8.94% jump from the story at number six. And it's just like that. This week, I learned there was a rapper whose name is Blueface. And he did some things for a club for Instagram shoot, just personal, obviously. And he's now facing some charges because pulling down people's thongs in public is not a nice thing to do, Mr. Blueface. He literally was just on the club floor just doing his thing and then all of a sudden had his gram out and, you know, grabbed somebody's thong and went, went, went for it and blasted out to the world. So many people thinking that's not exactly nice behavior, maybe for not for a man named Blueface or not, uh, they, they did not take too kindly to the whole manner. Now he was facing... Some accused sexual assault charges, I believe actual charges, have been placed on the man. I don't have the article written in front of me, so I don't have his full legal name, which would have given us in that article. But suffice it to say, there's a rapper doing rapper things, but in the age of cameras, which should make it cooler, did not quite in this case, and it may get him into serious hot water. 
One person in serious hot water because of the siege. This is our second story that's directly related to the siege, and the second story directly related to someone who got arrested for it, and second story of someone doing something really stupid to get himself uh, pointed out into the crowd. Cleet Keller, Olympic gold medal champion swimmer who won two gold medals at the as a teammate of Michael Phelps, was identified by former teammates and coaches as a member of the crowd that breached the capital due to his U.S. Olympic team jacket he was wearing. That should say it all. Tuesday, the 12th of January, we posted that one. That story just slightly up, 0.75% from the story at number five. Cleet Keller, which I'm I'm almost positive I'm saying the name correctly. I, I, can't, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup myself personally, but his teammates did when they saw pictures of him in the social media feeds and the news feeds of a guy in a U.S. Olympic jacket walking through the Capitol in the big siege. Uh, many, many people who knew him personally and teamed up with him in the Olympics saw the jacket, recognized the jacket, recognized the person, and were able to quickly identify him as one of the people in the Capitol siege. He has been arrested and charged um, I don't think he got charged anything as serious as some folks, but essentially being on scene, the reckless endangerment, the, the the surge itself is a crime. So we will see exactly what comes down from Mr. Keller going forward. I'm pretty sure that anybody who had any love for him being on the Olympic swim team, all that love has been quickly abandoned on that case. Very sad story that popped up in real time with us on Saturday on the 9th of January. The headline, Indonesia's Syrian airplane loses contact after taking off from Jakarta. And this said this one got a bump in response of 94.07% from the story at number four. This one is a super story because we had an update to the story posted uh, hours later. Now, the update and the original story, this one here, because of the large gap between number two and number three, the story, the original headline was always going to be number three. The update added some numbers to it, but did not move the needle very much. As I said, we'll explain that when we get to number two and the rating it is so far. But this was a very high jump from the story at number four, but not quite high enough to jump and overtake the story at number two. And this is a simple story and a very sad story that for people watching, keeping up with news on Saturday morning, uh, early in the morning, early mid-morning, uh, we had news that an Indonesian aircraft had lost contact with the tower as it took off from Jakarta. And then hours later, we heard more details about it. And the follow-up story we had posted actually said that that, that limbs and debris from the aircraft was found in the island chain near uh, where they believe the, the plane went down, basically near where they lost contact with the plane. So this was essentially the confirmation that the plane did go down and that there were no real survivors of the crash. The the search, as far as I know, is still going on for the main pieces of the actual plane. No word about black boxes or anything that's been recovered from this one. And in a year where we've, well, a very short year, but a year span of time, where we've had very little major aircraft travel going on, something like this will quickly catch the attention of people in the industry and what's going on. I know people here in the States have led their help to the folks in uh, Indonesia to figure out what went down this one right now, um, because essentially any time a plane goes down, it's a mystery that everybody wants to solve because it makes the next flight that much safer. 
Uh, if there's any updates of the story in the week, we'll definitely post it inside of our feeds and you can find them by just going to Twitter or Facebook, TH underscore conversation for Twitter and Facebook. Look for this is a conversation. And every 50 minutes or so, you'll see a brand new story from various different sources. Sometimes, as we said, like this for the super story, we'll have updates to that the story or stories that are very similar. Uh, so just like, love, hate, share and, and respond and engage with any story you see out there. And you'll see exactly how conversational it is. This was a big story that lasted the entire weekend. And we're still waiting for details on what will be the aftermath of the crash and will be the aftermath of the investigation. As I said, the gap between number four and number two was so large that the number three story getting a boost from another super story, another another story out there that choose for numbers wasn't going to make it overtake number two. And this is one that I'm extremely surprised was a big deal, although I shouldn't have been. This is a media type story, an insider type story, literally inside radio story when it first came down. And then a few days later, more people started talking about it. Ironically enough, radio people talking about this story. Headline. Atlanta-based Cumulus Media tells its conservative talk show hosts like Mark Levin and Dan Bongino will be fired if they keep post pushing Trump's stolen election, unquote, rhetoric. That story we posted on the 11th of January, a bump in response from the number three story of 42.75%. Shows you how much bigger it was and how it was going to stay at the number two. Now, this is a story that is a very interesting in its origin, although it shouldn't be. Uh, one of the biggest knocks against the the people who are who are still pushing the fact that Trump won the election is where they get the idea from, and the idea comes a lot from quote unquote conservative media, and a lot of that comes from radio talk show hosts who gin up a narrative, and whether it's true or not, people follow along with it as if it were gospel. And so Cumulus Media, which is the number two media company in the world, a company I used to work for, and it has some of the biggest names in conservative radio on the ticket, including Mark Levin, who owns Night Times, and Dan Bongino, who's a newer name, but still growing in the in the movement, if you will. And because you play the hits when you work in radio, you play the to the people, the base that listen to you and keep you going. They want to hear more about how the election was stolen, and they are more than happy to gin that up. In fact, Mark Levin, literally a day before they had the rally, was talking about how this thing was essentially tyranny, uh, the fact that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Now, granted, there has been no actual evidence to the contrary that the election was stolen for Donald Trump, but... The narrative is out there. It obviously lived uh, well enough for people to go and storm a government building in the United States. And we're going to deal with a lot of the fallout for that for quite some time. But in the meantime, in the efforts to kind of bring down the temperature of the the nation, the talk show hosts at Cumulus Broadcasting have been told to bring it down. And this has trickled down to a local level as well. As I said, I used to work for Cumulus Radio Station Cluster, and this has trickled down to the the few, in this case, uh, live hosts they have on local levels. Now, because of syndication and the big names like Levin, they're able to keep their radio stations going by bringing in one guy who sings one song and it goes nationwide. But in various cases, and a little inside baseball, you can't really sell Mark Levin on local radio because he don't do local radio. 
you bring in local hosts and local voices so they can make sales connections with the local people. And they are doing the same things. Most of them singing the same song of the stolen election. And so they've been given the same advice that they were given to the top. Basically, everybody, if you're ginning up the base, um, getting them all fired up about the election being stolen, stop it or you'll be fired. Because as basically everyone who is in any point of real power at this point has said, there's no proof. There's no reason to fight this because it's not a fight worth fighting because it's not. And the number one story we always give a lot of fanfare, and I'm a bit disappointed that it's here, although I knew from the moment I saw it trending, and then when the moment I put it in the feed, it would be here. It's the top Facebook and top Twitter story this week. Twitter sort of rules the roost, so more or less Twitter would have put it there anyway, but Facebook just pushed it way, way over the top. It gets a bump in response from the story at number two. That's for Cumulus Media telling his talk show host, Stop Saying Election Was Fixed by 149%. From the number 10 story this week, which is, of course, Richard Barnett, the man from Arkansas, sitting in Pelosi's desk, getting arrested in Arkansas, of course, because that's where he lives, by 983%. And a bump in response from the almost relevant story of the week. That is the story at the bottom, 196. The headline will tell you in a moment, but it was more responsive by that story by a whopping 30,966%. As I said, it's the top Twitter story, it's the top Facebook story. It was posted on Monday, the 11th of January, so it lasted all week long. But this story is lasting all year long, all summer long, all winter long. This is one that won't go away. And anytime we bring up any mention of it, it gets traction. Headline, disgraced Hillsong pastor Carl Lentz, 42, is seen for the first time since spending the holidays in rehab for depression. Now, I try to say the bulk of commentary in this podcast, although it comes all through in all the stories, for the top story because of brevity and because it's usually the most important or conversational. So I want to put the, the bulk of my my thought time, that listening time you have for here, on that story. But this is a story, this is a continuing story that I'm frankly getting tired of just seeing. And why did I post it on here? Because I have to post a story every 50 minutes and I have to fill a lot of time or space or pixels, if you will, in the Internet. And it popped up and people tend to care about it. People tend to care about it a whole lot more than I wish they did, though. Carl Lenz is, of course, the not the founder. He is a former pastor of the Hillsong, New York branch of the church church of course began in australia and it's known for having big showy performances basically going to a concert and getting a little bit of the word in the process uh he is known as the pastor of the stars or was until the stars started going to a new west coast church and it was just basically living up the megastar lifestyle because he had that access he was also having multiple affairs with women who were not his wife over a long period of time and recently got caught and got blasted extremely publicly, which is where all this came down. He was fired. His wife was fired because the couple team couldn't work together in that situation. And he had been dealing with plenty of issues. And now he's been he's back on the scene publicly because he's been in this rehab facility for a while dealing with the issues and dealing with the air quotes depression that they wrote in the story. Not that depression is not real. Trust me, I deal with depression every single day. Uh, but essentially, he kind of had to get away from it all, and because 
you're richy or famousy or something like that, depression is a good enough experience to go for rehab. Why you rehab depression? Not exactly sure, but it was a facility for rehabilitation, and that's where he was. So we give Lens uh, we give him points for trying to um, just weather the storm that is a crazy life at this point, but we also have to just kind of sit back and wonder why these things happen. And the quick answer is because we are human and we are flawed, and this is a person who is definitely flawed and human in what went down with him. What's going on for him forward? I don't know. The oddity about these things is I have been around enough churches and not a church guy per se, but I'm not around enough churches, church people and pastors who have been in similar situations, i.e. people high up in the church getting caught stepping around with people who aren't their wives or who they should not be in general because they have no serious attachments to. And most cases, they are fine. In fact, I know cases where this this has happened, and except for you know whatever public mea culpas that the or the should say private mea culpas that the families have gone through, they've gone on and the church has been fine. I've seen situations where the pastor has left that particular church, even if they were big in the church, started a new one, and people who were just so in love with the pastor go with that new guy and they start a new church, and eventually the church grows to the same size, same venue as the other. So in most cases, pastors who are charismatic enough can play this off and continue to be pastoring. Now, in some cases, they find some way to shift their gears and become more life coachy or business coachy stuff because at some point in time, the, they realize the money is not so much in the God stuff, but just in the following ship stuff. And I can complain about that for, for days. But we're going to see how long this story is a problem because at this point I see it as a problem because it keeps popping up as a valid story even though the story is essentially done. You folks decided Carl Lenz needed to be the number one story this week so I'm not going to argue with that. I'm just going to sort of throw my hands up and wonder why some of these stories get into this our venue, why some of them become the most conversational apparently. The bigger stories of the week, which had a lot to do with what happened in D.C., were not quite big enough for this this gossipy story about a pastor who slept around in you know uh, with people who were not his wife. So at this point, we go into some of the details of the numbers behind how we got to these things before we talk about the almost relevant story of the week. Uh, as I say, Twitter drives the show here. The, the Twitter responses, because they're so fast and furious, pun intended, uh, essentially drive what goes on. Twitter responses this week are more or less where they are, normally are. About 91% of the engagement, 91.37% engagement total with the Twitter responses here, while Facebook gave us 85 8.63% of engagement for the week. So, you know, 91 to 9% thereabouts. That's basically where, they, where we sit essentially every single week. Now, engagement for the stories at the top. The number one story this week had the total engagement of 15% of all the stories that were dealt with this week. So of all the stories we posted in the span of Friday to Friday, 15% of the people that engaged with them, 15.42 to be exact, were with that one story. Now, of the top 10 stories, that gained up to 39%, 39.16% of all respondents. That's more or less in range, a little high, but more or less in the range of what happens. About 40% of the stories, 35 is more or less where it normally is for the top 10 stories. For the stories that we call the almost rants, which includes the number 11 headline, 
on the trade with James Harden. That 15, that, that 11 through 15 range gave us 5.54% of the actual responses. So that's more or less where it is. Those stories were close, but not quite far enough to go into detail with in the top 10. For the very bottom, we have a story that actually is outperforming at 0.05% for the week which is an oddity because normally it's at 0.03%, but at that lower percentage, it doesn't necessarily matter. What does really matter is this is a very, very, uh, very, very serious story, very interesting story. And it involves numbers that you would probably think would go unnoticed, which apparently they did for this story. And what the oddity of the story is most times these stories at the very bottom are late Friday, or I should say early Friday stories. Fridays that pop up between midnight and 5 a.m. Central Time on Friday going into the feed, so they don't get a lot of time to gain any traction. This story was posted on Saturday the 9th, so this one had all week long to pick up traction as people looked on their feeds, and it did not. As we've said, this story is 30,966% less responsive than the story on Carl Lenz, but it's probably that many times plus more important. Here's your headline. Women accounted for 100% of the 140,000 jobs shed by the U.S. economy in December. Fortune.com gave us that one, and this is a one that you really should go click on the link at our website. This is a conversation for this week's podcast. Click the link for January the 16th, 2021, and you should really go deeper into this one because this is one that really needs a lot more, uh, needs a lot more, more coverage, to be honest. But the way Fortune breaks this thing down, essentially there's issues with job loss in general and job loss during the pandemic right now. And Fortune believes, the way they wrote it down, that of the 140,000 jobs that were lost in the month of December of 2020, 100% of those were held by women. And they reason this by saying most of the jobs encountered things that are mostly women-focused, things like retail, things like like restaurants, things like um, beauty shops and barber shops and those types of things. Those types of industry jobs, which have been holding on for as much as possible, but couldn't really get a boost during the Christmas holiday as people were buying retail stuff as opposed to service stuff, uh, maid service, things like that. A lot less of that during the last year, a lot less of that during the Christmas season, and a lot less jobs in those venues. So of the jobs lost, Fortune.com believes 100% of all those jobs, 140,000 per the number, were lost by people who happen to be female. That's a serious, serious, serious note to look at. And if it is the 100% true, then it is 100% a shame of what's happening right now. We have talked a lot about pandemic on this podcast, so we are not going to stop talking pandemic on this podcast, but we also have to be mindful that we're not done with the pandemic in the podcast. So being angry with the situation is not going to help at this point in time until things get fixed. And I'm not a fixer of pandemic, so I don't know what the real fix is. I can only say when your time comes, get the vaccine, make sure you're staying masked, social distance, washing hands, being vigilant what's going on because more people, even more people by the numbers, even though we've been dealing with this war for 10 months here in the States and slightly longer around the world, the numbers are growing at a staggering rate that were even worse than when we didn't know what was happening. So please be careful. 
please be safe. And please be with us as we return for another one of these as we wrap up right now this week's edition of the Weekly Wrap-Up with Jay Cleveland Payne. If you want to talk about any of these stories, just email us and we'll chat with you offline or basically online because our phones are connected. The conversation inbox at gmail.com. Email us and we can talk about any single story here or anything you want to. If you want more other types of stories, some more sources of stories that we should be looking towards, let us know. We'll do what we can to gain those in as well. And to be a part of the process of being in and voting, just follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, look for This is a Conversation with the Blue Speech Bubble looking icon. And for Twitter, TH underscore conversation. And every 50 minutes or so, we will post a brand new news story from various sources. And you just have to, as you check your feed and see what we're up to, like, love, hate, respond, reply, whatever, however much you want to engage with the story, engage with the headline, engage with the story. And then what will happen is on Friday morning, we'll take the timeline from Friday to Friday and Tallied them up and see which stories go top to bottom, best to worst. The stories that you said were the most conversational. Not Anderson Cooper. I love me some Anderson Cooper. Not Andy Cohen, who doesn't really care about the news except for big funny headlines and housewives throwing champagne on each other. But what I care about is what you literally care about. You tell me what stories are the ones that should be chatted up. We'll chat them up quickly here on the podcast at the end of the week. This podcast, the whole conversation project is powered by you. Stop by our website. This is the conversation.com. Click the links to see if there's a way that you would like to help keep us going. Oh, this is the conversation.com slash partnerships, I should say. That's the specific link for partnership opportunities. Or click any of our affiliate links and any of our actual products on the newsletter, on the website, in the feed. We get a slight kick from the affiliate if they take care of you. We get a little kick in here on us, our end. It costs you nothing extra. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. We are basically any place your pods can be cast. So look for us and you'll find us there. If not, let us know. We'll tell you how to find us or get where you want us to be. And share the podcast with like-minded people looking to get into great conversations about what's actually going on in the world. Yes, there are big stories out there and we do not, we do not claim to be your main first prime source of news, but we are a source of news that people out there are really into and you can find out what stories you're not hearing not seeing what's not being mentioned by seeing what other people are talking about outside of your perspective bubbles so right now i'm going back into my bubble and going back to posting some more stories uh, we've been posting ever since we cut the thing off on friday and so there's stories already in the can already making its way up into the countdown and we'll see what stories already posted and coming forward for the next six days We'll make it into next week's podcast. So until next week, my name is still Jake Lee Payne. This was your weekly wrap-up for the week ending January the 16th, 2021. We're going to do this all again, counting them down from 10 to 1 next week.